This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk. For Thursday, March the 14th, I'm your host, D.A. And even though it's the middle of March and everybody should be talking about March Madness, college basketball, the beginning of the Major League Baseball season, it's football. More and more football because free agency has just taken a grip on everything in the sports landscape. Forget the NBA playoffs or anything else going on. The NFL has totally given a chokehold to the sports landscape. And so let's begin with the NFL draft because now we look ahead to April's NFL draft and Kyler Murray could be the number one pick in the draft. Just how tall is he? He had his pro day at Oklahoma. What would that mean for the scouts and everybody else looking at where he would end up going? Here's Carson Anderson on 97-1, the ticket in Detroit, debating exactly what to believe about the Oklahoma quarterback that won the Heisman. So today is Oklahoma's pro day. And Kyler Murray stepped on a scale and came in at 205. And then Albert Breer tweets out, teams have been informed that Kyler Murray won't be measured for height at Oklahoma's Pro Day. He's 5'7". He's not 5'7". Okay, that might be a bit of a stretch. He's, why aren't they going to measure him for height, Gator? Why bother with the circus? He's already done it. It creates a bigger circus. Hey. Oh, now you're having, now you're having, he just gave it to me. 5'10 man. He just gave it the hay. He's got he got his mark at the combine. That's all he needs to do. I was at the combine. I got measured up the combine. Let's go through some but drills. But if you're 5'10 and an eighth, then I you're 5'10 and an eighth. eighth. That's great. Let's go throw the ball. I'll run the 40. There's Let's go no, do some stuff that matters If right you're now. really 5'10 and an eighth, there's literally no downside to measuring I it. I think, you know what's here's what's ridiculous, okay? Because there's a story that gets leaked by the media that says, oh, you know, he's got to be heightening or whatever. It should have been squashed at 5, 10, and 8. And now it's not because somebody speaks up. So now because somebody wants to start a rumor, now you got to do everything all over again. You just have to do this. Why do, why, do you have to, why do you have to prove one person wrong to satisfy the masses here now? Because now people are like, oh, wait a minute, rebel, 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 oh, rebel. Maybe he's not 5, 10, and 8. Exactly. But right, you, right, you know, now, what, right now, do you question whether he's 5, 10, and an 8? Do I question it because one one guy said it? And now no, people no, no, are like, no, oh, no. maybe he's not? No, because he refuses to get measured again. No. I don't, you don't care. Question, Kang, do you question it now? Yes. If there's any doubt and you're legit 5'10 and an eighth, remeasure. It's not a big issue. I, 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 you, I'm always coming from the standpoint that it doesn't matter to me because I don't care if he's 5'8 or if he's 5'11. I, I'll be honest. I think that's completely clouding your view of the topic. It, it may be, but I, also, but I also stand on the principle of the thing because I think there are other things at, at, at work here. He did exactly what what they wanted them to do at the, the combine in terms of measuring, right? Everybody waited, wanted to hear what it was. Number comes in. 
Well, somebody gets pissed off. They don't think it's right. And now they say, I don't know. I'm I'm, why do you know that they're telling the truth? I don't. I'm not assuming anything. Let's throw everything out there. Somebody questions it. And now everybody's going, oh, well, somebody questioned it. Let's 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 get to the bottom of this. We'll wait for his pro day and get a measure there. I me- if you measured one place, it's like if you did a whole questionnaire on one of these ridiculous questionnaires they have at, at the combine, and every team is part of it, and you do all that, would you want to do that again? Probably not. But being I mean, it's, it's kind of the same. It's another test. It's just on a smaller scale, but it's another thing. It may be really easy to do, but. Why bother? Then what am I going? What's the next thing they're going to ask me to redo? Well, the the why bother is to solidify my spot as the number one pick in the draft. Well, if he thinks he's got it, then why bother? If you already know, if Arizona's already talked to him and said, "Look, we're working on a contract at this point," he knows he's going to the Cardinals. It just it just ends it, and the Cardinals don't care. It's over. Yeah, but you if it's speculation it for the rest of the teams well, hey, in the league, not necessarily the for a team that's picking them. What's the old saying? Measure twice, cut once. Bingo. Right oh, there, there you go. Measure twice. There, Mr. Contractor. Nice job. Measure twice. Yeah, but if you're... But here, seriously. run the 40 at the combine, Here's dude. why. You asked for a reason of why he doesn't do it, okay? And, of course, all the speculation from everybody is because he's not that tall. How about this? He already knows he's going to Arizona. Arizona doesn't care. Then... Then why bother? Why bother? Because... I can't go I any higher it, than one. I would find it highly, highly unlikely that he already knows he's going to Arizona. Really? Yes. Players know it all the time. I don't think they know it this far. Well, if out. he does know, then why do anything? Yeah, why even throw? But why even throw? But why do anything? Well, because the throwing is what really matters to him, not the not the height thing. Maybe that's why. Then he can't possibly know he's going to Arizona. It's hard to know what exactly to buy when it comes to a guy like Kyler Murray. Is he truly 5'10"? Does that matter in the NFL these days? A Big 12 quarterback making the transition to the NFL, perhaps easier than ever before, but is he Russell Wilson? Is he not as good as Russell Wilson? Is he better than Russell Wilson? All these questions continue to swirl around Kyler Murray, and until we actually have the Cardinals select him at number one, there is going to be major questions about where he should go. Maybe even after when he goes number one, if he does go that high to Arizona, there's going to be serious question marks surrounding just whether that can work at the next level. NFL free agency was an enormous topic over the course of the last few weeks and nothing bigger than where Antonio Brown would end up. Of course, he ended up in Oakland via a trade, a third and fifth round draft pick. And people in Pittsburgh still very unhappy. A little salt to go with that A-B trade. Let's go to the Fan Morning Show. Our daily look-in, does A-B have people fooled in Oakland? Here's the Fan Morning Show on 93.7 in Pittsburgh. People are going to make fun of this, and they should. It was comical. It was hilarious. It was the greatest part, I thought, is when Mayock gave the introduction, and then he throws it to A.B. after he gave this big, glowing speech, and A.B. goes, thanks, coach. <laughs> Mayock's the GM, yeah. which was really I'm also, hilarious. I'm also fairly convinced he may think that John Gruden owns the team. I think he, he does. And he may not be able to make a distinction, although the two guys do look way too similar at this point between John Gruden and Mark Davis. I also thought it was hilarious that John Gruden was talking about how he didn't even play Division One football. <laughs> it was news to John Gruden that Central Michigan University has Central played Michigan. Division One football for quite some time. Division Two powerhouse. <laughs> I know. So anyhow, once it got going and whatever, people are going to make fun of this and they should. It was vintage AB using crazy words with that smile and everything. But there's a serious connotation to this, and that's this. He's got people fooled. Absolutely. And there's, he's it's got gonna, the whole world fooled. He's got the Oakland world fooled. People in Pittsburgh watch this and were like, okay, all right. Because it's all going to come crashing down at some point. 
Yeah, it, just, the hun- it is. Look, the honeymoon period, as long as it exists, it'll be great for them. But it'll end at some point. Derek Carr will throw a ball behind him, or he won't get enough targets, or whatever. It, it, at a certain point, his skills will start to deteriorate because he is 30 years old. Look, it's it's going to go sideways at some point. It's Antonio Brown. It's it's bound to happen. So when that happens, uh, good luck, Oakland. And, and the rest of the NFL, who was falling the, – the, the national NFL media falling all over themselves yesterday to praise A.B. What a wonderful teammate. Oh, look, he already called Derek Carr and stopped by his house. And, oh, these guys are going to be best pals. Okay, let's see how it turns out. Well, it's legendary. Uh, it's an honor to be here. I know some tremendous guys been in this building. Uh, it's a historic uh, organization with some preeminent players like you just mentioned. I bet, and I mean this, I was thinking about this as he said those words. I bet he couldn't name five Raiders receivers of the past. I bet if I stopped him out of that press conference on the way in and said, name me five Oakland right. Raiders receivers of the past. Five. I don't uh, James Jett? I mean, what, what would he say? He'd, he'd get Tim Brown. Probably. He'd get Tim Brown. Maybe. Give, and he'd get Jerry Rice technically a Raider yeah, for a little I, while. I, you know what? You win with that one. Okay, so there's two. After that, though. <laughs> It gets difficult. Like when they were, do you think, and I thought about this, whenever Gruden was ripping off the names, do you think that A.B. knew who Fred Bolitnikoff was? Oh, Cliff Branch could walk up to him and slap him in the face and he wouldn't have any idea who But A.B. went with him he was like, yeah, they're great guys. There is no way he knew who Fred Bolitnikoff was. Sitting in front of three Super Bowl trophies from 40 years ago. Eric, do you think he knew who Fred Bolitnikoff was? Absolutely not. Okay, but he said Fred he was... Bolitnikoff. No, he said he was a great... Isn't Fred Bolitnikoff from Erie? Yes, he is. Um, and he said... And he went to, like, Florida State out of Erie. Mm-hmm. Quite some change in dynamic. <laughs> yeah. um, but didn't he... He did at one point, A.B. say, great guys. When the hell do you ever... How do you know Fred Bolitnikoff? I don't know. That was that was co- height of comedy for me. Look, he thinks Mike Mayock is the coach and John Gruden's the owner. So we're working off those presumptions already. <laughs> and he took out a billboard right downtown on Grand Street. Yeah, yeah. With that he had nothing to do with. The, if I stopped him too and but, asked him, "Do you know about this billboard in Pittsburgh?" There's no way he knows about it. Yes, his expertism. Yes, somebody took it out for him. Oh, this is just the, the height of credit it. to Steeler fans not vandalizing that billboard. We're proud of you. Antonio Brown has said all of the right things since getting traded to Oakland and has given some love back to the city of Pittsburgh, but I think these guys are right. I mean, can you really believe that A.B. has learned any lessons here? He threw every Molotov cocktail he could to get out of town, and it worked. And now suddenly he's all smiles and roses and will not be a headache and will not be a problem. Got a tough time believing that a Tiger changes his stripes that dramatically in just the course of a few days. And so that, of course, leads us into Odell Beckham Jr., also traded a huge big play wide receiver from the New York Giants to the Cleveland Browns. And everybody in Cleveland majorly hyped up about this marriage. What does this mean at wide receiver for a Cleveland Browns team that really hasn't had dynamic wide receivers in a long time? Let's go to the Bull and Fox show on 92.3 The Fan in Cleveland. A guy that knows both of those wide receivers, Les Miles, who coached them at LSU. Some of the criticism of Odell has been questioning his character. I have continued to say that this is way overblown. People say he's a diva. I say most professional athletes, I assume, have some diva in them. Who cares? Guy's a great player. Well, could, could you could you speak to his character and, and the criticisms that he's received? 
Yeah, I, I think I think he is a uh, individuals do things obviously differently, and uh, I think uh, hair color and and being at a a um, I, I think I think the uh, Cavaliers will just gain another fan. I, I just think that that his off the field things are things that really should not be judged. It should not be looked at. You know, I think he. I think it's all within the real quality realm of normal. That's just good. That's you know what people better be different. Otherwise, this world's going to be a boring place to live. And and I think that uh, Odell is is enjoying himself. I think he's um, you know you know testing some boundaries there. But I got to be honest with you. God bless him. That's that's the way it should be. And. Uh, uh, yeah, I'd, uh, I would. He's never missed a meeting. He never was late for a uh, for a tape, uh, an opportunity to watch film. He was and is very serious about his profession, and was very serious about his improvement in the uh, college ranks when he was with us at uh, LSU. So I, uh, yeah, I think uh, I think Odell is. I call him a diva. But just realize that this Steve is tougher than nails, and he'll go catch balls, and and this Steve is going to score a lot of points. So, coach, the the one thing that you, you have to worry about when you've got all these talented guys on the offense, is there enough footballs to go around, and how will these guys respond to each other? Like, will Odell and Jarvis be okay? Are they are they going to be unselfish? Or will they put those egos to the side at times? Because clearly, these guys want what they they want the targets and they want to have a bunch of catches and a bunch of touchdowns. But what if they don't come their way? Well, if it's a uh, if it's in the game plan, then the opportunity to come their way will happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's only so many coverages, and the opportunity to run a a nice little option route, one on one versus man coverage. I mean, when they dial up man, they should. They should concern themselves with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. I can promise you that. And then, if they're playing zone, which I, I just I'm cover three, I just I just don't think. I think it's a uh, their best chance is rush passer. That's the best chance they have because I think you're going to find that Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham are going to be open. And, and frankly, I don't. It's not. You're not. It's not going to take you too much of a scheme. To make sure that one of those guys are catching the ball, I just just draw one up, put one in one spot, and one in the other, and they they'll have an opportunity to, to make a difference. Baseball is in full swing, NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app, the biggest sports radio stations in the country, providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams, all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives. Streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. If you have a focused and motivated Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., you have two of the best wide receivers in the game that are working together and perhaps the single best wide receiver duo in all of the NFL. The problem is both of those guys have proven that they can be difficult to deal with and coach and quarterback for. And so there's going to be a lot of responsibility on Freddie Kitchens, the head coach, 
and Baker Mayfield at quarterback to make sure this thing does not go sideways and to somehow make sure that those two guys and the huge talents that they are are focused, motivated, and pulling in the right direction. The New York Giants front office severely questioned around New York about whether they got enough for Odell Beckham Jr. Let's listen in to WFAN's Mike Francesa and get his thoughts on whether the Giants will miss a huge play threat like OBJ. I'm not going to give you a laundry list of when did you get sick of Beckham. I got sick of him from the beginning. I couldn't tolerate any of it. And the Giants did from when Tom, when I went nuts on Tom, when Tom didn't go after him in a Carolina game. I'd had it then. Talent isn't enough. It takes chemistry. It takes character. It takes discipline to win in football. More is not more. More is less often. And the bottom line is they haven't had a disciplined football team pulling in the right direction in five years. Blame anybody you want. Bottom line is, to me, now they can get back to being the Giants because now they can put together a team again and be a disciplined team because they've been dysfunctional for five years. And he has rubbed their nose in it. He has not been in any way... He has been above their rules. He has done what he wanted. He's played when he's wanted. He's talked when he's wanted. He's done what he's done what he wanted. And all it's led up to is nothing except losses. And I put the record at 31 and 50 over the five years, and I know he missed games for two reasons. One, if you're going to be good, that means show up for the games. Because if you don't show up for the games, you're never going to be good. And number two, this team was an undisciplined, dysfunctional mess in a large part because of him for the last five years. And I blame management, I blame ownership, I blame coaches for not having the guts and the backbone to discipline this guy from the beginning, from the beginning. So I've hoped this day would come. I didn't expect it to come, but it's about time it came. And you know what? I know there's going to be plenty of you that think, oh, I love, we lost Beckham, what are we doing? You know what? Let me see him win once first, okay, and then tell me how wonderful he is. All he's done is create a mess here for five years. And listen, the Giants, it's not his fault that they wrecked the offensive line or they made bad picks and bad free agent picks and everything else. That's not his fault. But the fact that this team just never, ever was pulling in the right direction and had any cohesive toughness or any discipline to it for the last five years is in a large part because of his presence. He was an enormous presence on this team, and it was all negative. So for me, it's a step in the right direction. It's about time. Now, that's over with. They have to be extremely honest with themselves now, and hopefully they have been already. And that is, if you don't think you can plug the holes this year, then go to a total rebuild and go get yourself a quarterback. And if you think you can, then put everything in the right place and take a run at doing something this year. That's your call to make. That's what I expect management to make. That's what I expect the general manager and the head coach to make, that decision. And then just go about the best way you can to put the players and the pieces together. If you don't think you can do it, then this is the year to rebuild. And that means go find your quarterback. But don't, don't bring another quarterback in here and then turn this into a nonsense season where you're going to basically say, oh, we'll try to win, and then when we don't, we'll make it a season about the next quarterback, all right? That, that is what you don't want to do. That's halfway in it. That makes no sense for anybody. So they made a bold move. They finally showed some backbone. And they're taking hits right now, but you know what? 
that's who cares? Tell me what they accomplished with him. What do you want to do? Have him go through a couple more years of what we saw last year when he plays when he wants, talks when he wants, does what he wants? Haven't we seen enough of that? Haven't we seen that for the last five years? Let's face it, the New York Giants hold a lot of responsibility in allowing Odell Beckham to get as sideways as he was at times over the course of his Giants career. But now he's gone, and they're going to miss that huge void in production and big playmaking that he always brought to the table. Eli Manning might have felt like he was a headache at times, but boy, there is nothing close to what Odell brought to the table on that Giants roster. In the NBA, the Detroit Pistons have been irrelevant and afterthought for a long time. And in Detroit, they're sick and tired of it. We got to listen to Jamie and Stoney as Stoney unleashes hell on the Pistons. This is courtesy of 97.1 The Ticket in Detroit. Let's listen in and enjoy. I have never seen what I saw from an alleged professional basketball team that I saw yesterday. 21 to nothing to start the third quarter. They didn't score a field goal, if I'm not mistaken, until there was a, just under three minutes left in the, first, in the third quarter. That's a disgrace. And, you know, there are a lot of people out there, maybe not a lot, but there are some people out there who sit there and say, oh, you guys are too negative on the Pistons. You never talk about the Pistons enough when they're doing really well. Ah, oh, you know, you guys are the Pistons station. Come on. Well, you know what? It's crap like this that leads to us not talking about the Pistons because I got sucked in. I thought this was a really good team. It, last night was just the reason and a microcosm why people just sit and pull down their pants and crap on this basketball team all the time. Because just when you want to believe, just when you want to enjoy the food you're tasting, you get diarrhea and you have to go to the bathroom. Ew. That's what happened with the Pistons the last two nights. And they still have time to, you know, turn it around. I get that. But last night was just a disgrace. Hold on one second. The reason... Part of the reason they played so bad last night was, I don't know, Miami. Spolster did a really good job. He saw what Brooklyn did the night, the game before. They played a little zone. The Pistons looked like they'd never seen a zone defense in their life. It was like, it almost looked like Michigan State had Ben, Car they had ben Carter in the center <laughs> of the zone. They didn't know what the hell to do. You saw lazy passes. Even the great Blake Griffin, they'd throw a lob of pass and a Miami player would steal it and take it in. This is the Miami Heat. They, I like the way they play. They're a good team. They're certainly no great team. I mean, come on. You know, Justice Winslow, yeah, Dwayne Wade, he didn't have a great game yet last night. Oh, Olenek, Dragic, they're good players. But the, you know why they won the game? Because cliche, and I hate using this because I don't believe it most of the time, they wanted it more. The Pistons look like they didn't even want to be there. And if you're going to try to get Detroit fans to believe in this team, this organization again, you got to do better than that. And that was absolute ridiculous. What they did last night in the third quarter and in the second half is disgraceful. Dwayne Casey, who got a technical foul, should have got thrown out of the game just so he wouldn't have to see that crap in, in person. 25 points they scored in the first half, which is the lowest, the match is their lowest they've had since the shot clock took place in 1954. Let me tell you something. That was a bad, bad loss, not just because of the they, they lost the game, but because they're trying to get fans to believe in this team again. And I believed that they would be a playoff team. I still think they're going to make the playoffs. I think the math still – Orlando doesn't – they don't want to win a game. Charlotte doesn't want a game. Yeah. So the Pistons will make the playoffs. Right. But there's no way in hell that this team can even think 
of winning more than one playoff game if they're playing against Boston, Toronto, Milwaukee, whoever. It's a joke. It's it's ridiculous. And I I like the fact that they're getting better. But you know what? They would have been better off just getting rid of everybody at the deadline that they could have and just tank because this is just awful. This is I'm embarrassed that I bought in. Shame on me. Oh, there's nothing like a good old-fashioned sports talk radio meltdown. There are some people out there who sit there and say, oh, you guys are too negative on the Pistons. You never talk about the Pistons enough when they're doing really well. Ah, you know, you guys are the Pistons station. Come on. Well, you know what? It's crap like this that leads to us not talking about the Pistons because I got sucked in. I thought this was a really good team. Throwing some Molotov cocktails in the direction of a franchise that is forlorn or going in the wrong direction. Modernize your freaking offense. You're killing your program. Or had a bad loss or awful coaching. I just love that. I'm not going to feel sorry for poor little Bryce Harper. He only got offered $30 million to stay with the Nuts. F you. That's the part of sports talk that really just makes you smile and warm your heart, doesn't it? I'm embarrassed that I bought in. Shame on me! And let's wrap up with the Golden State Warriors because they could wrap up the entire NBA season as long as they're on the straight and narrow and are focused and ready for the postseason. The Warriors had lost three games to the Houston Rockets this season, and perhaps Houston had closed the gap more than ever before. And yet, here were the Warriors doing what the Warriors do, getting that fourth and final win in game number four of the season between these two clubs. Was that a statement by the Golden State Warriors? Here's Mad Radio, 610 Sports Radio in Houston. If it was a statement game, and Steph Curry referred to it a few days earlier as a statement game, the Warriors made a statement, and really they continue to make the statement that, hey, when we want to play, whether we're playing at home or whether you're pl- we're playing at your place, right. we are going to win. When we play our A game, when we play like we want to win the game, uh, we are going to win. Uh, uh, yeah? All right, okay, did they, Why, uh, did they do that in convincing fashion? I thought they so. They almost rocket stood away at the end. They, yeah, almost, but they almost blew it at the end. Let's be honest, though. Iguodala, the game. Iguodala with a needless foul yes. uh, that, he, that, that, that was ridiculously argued against. Um, but let's be honest. The final score... Right. Was one hundred six, one hundred four, and that's not indicative of the way it went. The game, it was more of a seven or eight point Warriors win, like mm-hmm. a like a fairly comfortable eight points Warrior win. That's what the game felt. It like. was a nice little. It would have been a flukish win for the Rockets. Exactly. If they pulled that off. Yes. It would have been great. It yes. would have been awesome. But yes. it, it would have been a flukish win. So for the series, obviously this year the Rockets have been the better team, and the Rockets have done it with their key players out earlier in the season as well. The the thing that would concern me is, you know, D'Antoni, D'Antoni wasn't making excuses, but he alluded to how maybe maybe some of the guys weren't as familiar with their strategy versus the Warriors as they need to be. Um, all right, don't let the Warriors shoot. That's the strategy. I don't want to overly simplify these things, but don't, if there's one team you don't want to let have open shots, it is these Golden State Warriors, with or without with or without uh, Kevin Durant, so there's that element of it, and then yeah, the part that the part that people should be nervous about is Demarcus Cousins. Yes, because he presents a whole lot of things that the Rockets didn't have an answer for last night. I would say, all right, Nene's not out there. Um, Fareed's not himself just yet. He's he wasn't as effective as he will be in the playoffs. Um, and then look, Clint Capella. 
and when that's the most important matchup there, um, he the, got outplayed. He's 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 out physicaled, outmanned by Demarcus Cousins, and that's just what it is. Demarcus Cousins looks like he's finally coming back from that Achilles tendon. This is going to be a bear when you've got both him and Kevin Durant to, to contend with. That to me is a major problem. We're discussing Mike and Seth. Paul is in the afternoon again uh, on a Thursday. He's back with us tomorrow morning on a Friday. We're discussing the Rockets' loss, one hundred six, one hundred four, to the Golden State Warriors last night, who salvaged. One game in the four-game season series. I felt the Warriors made a statement that when they come to play, they will win. DeMarcus Cousins cannot be an effective player against the Rockets in this matchup. The way I look at this, when they have DeMarcus Cousins on the floor, that has to be an advantage for the Rockets. If they play in the playoffs, and I hope they play in the playoffs... When they're playing Golden State and he's on the court, Seth, they've got to take advantage. That, that When you see DeMarcus Cousins, that has to be a good thing. And last night it wasn't. DeMarcus Cousins last night played 32 minutes and he put up 27, 8, and 7. I he, guess That was his best right, right, game. Okay, now or if DeMarcus Cousins is physically back, and, and for whatever reason, again, I, I love Doris Burke, but last night she was agitating me for some reason. She she talked to one of the assistant coaches, uh, Paul Adams there, who had uh, her, yeah, sorry, um, who had who had said that he thinks it's unfair some of the narrative around Demarcus Cousins this year that a lot of it's just the Achilles tendon. Why why is it that all of a sudden people think it's easy to come back from an Achilles tendon? Uh, like we saw this. We saw this here with Deontay Foreman. It's yes. still a really hard injury to come back from. I, I think I honestly I blame Trell Suggs because Trell Suggs came back in six months a few years back. And people act like, oh, it's no big deal. Modern technology. You should be just fine. For a seven-footer to come back from Achilles tendon surgery, it's a big, big deal, and it takes a while. And it looks like, unfortunately, that he's finally back. Fortunately for him, unfortunately for everybody else. I'm not sure how you can trust anybody else in the NBA besides the Warriors as long as Golden State is properly motivated and ready to go. They are the champs until further noticed, and if Kevin Durant and Draymond Green and Klay Thompson are focused and ready to go, adding Boogie Cousins and Steve Kerr didn't have one foot out the door, then with Steph Curry and company, there's just no way you're going to beat them. But let's hope that a team like the Rockets has the number on Golden State. But again, here's just another example that when Golden State wants it truly, they are ready to take it from all NBA comers. That's the best in your sports talk for Thursday, March the 14th. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.